0: Moved. He moves so well for a big man. Set up for Hoffman. He couldn't make contact that time. Now Paling coming back. Paling up the left. Belzil to the net. Paling drags it, breaks, and he sets up Belzill and scores. A short-handed go-ahead goal. A beautiful play by Paling. And Belzil gives the Canadians the lead. Absolutely great poise by Paling there, Dan. To hold on to the puck. Do a little curl and
1: drag, get it by the defenseman, and then hit Belzil for an empty net, and that's shorthanded. It was the right time to go for it, and then I just, uh, I mean, two-on-one, you just got to play poise. I mean, you know the guys coming back, they were a little gassed. They've been out there for a minute and a half, so I knew it wasn't getting back pressure that that hard. So it was, it was just a matter of just making the play, and I did a good job of doing that. Hey, listen to Ryan Paling. He sounds like a veteran in his uh, post-game media availabilities. And uh, we saw a little more of that flash. Nice little toe-drag pass to set up one Alex Belzil for a game-winning goal on the uh, Kraft uh, Hockeyville game that took place in Bathurst, New Brunswick yesterday. Darren Dreger, good morning. Welcome back.
0: Hey, guys. Good morning.
1: So we keep seeing these flashes. Uh, We had the amazing game at the end of last season for Ryan Paling, the hat trick, the shootout game-winning goal. Some flashes of skill there as well from the kid. Uh, How excited do you think Habs fans should be about him at this point?
0: Yeah, I mean, we need to see a lot more, of course. You can say that about any young player, but... You know, the assist on uh, the game-winning goal uh, was a thing of beauty. I mean, you're playing against uh, an NHL star a defenseman, Aaron Ekblad, and uh, he pulls a toe-drag move in sliding by him and then, you know, making a beauty of a pass to Belzell, uh, going hard to the net. Um, so that line in particular and, and the execution of that line was impressive. You know, Belleville for me is is also uh, an interesting study, only because he's not a kid. He's he's a 28 year old man who's been around the game a long, long time. But you know, this is what NHL training camp is all about, and why there are pieces of it that are exciting. And yes, of course, there's more future in in Ryan Paling. I think that's pretty obvious, and uh, his confidence appears to have grown. You know, let's see how he continues to play throughout. The, uh, the the training camp and preseason, and then you know uh, an early look at him obviously in the regular season. But for a guy like Alex Belzell, you know he knows that he's working on borrowed time here, but it doesn't appear like that's impacting his level of confidence. You know this kid was a standout uh, as you guys know in Ramuski in the Quebec Major Junior for offensive reasons. He's changed his game. He's adapted his game. Now he's more of a a defensive specialist, but he certainly didn't look that way last night. So uh, I like that combination, and uh, I like the way they played overall.
1: All right, I don't know. I'm still not holding my breath on Alex Belzil, but could help out the uh, could help out the Laval Rocket for sure. Uh, and it's that time of the year. It's uh, when you get to see these guys. You're like, hey, look at that guy. I remember him from junior eight years ago.
0: Exactly.
1: Uh, all right. Uh, with uh, Darren Dreger on the morning show on TSN 690. So we know about there's the the veteran players, so let's say the the veterans of ECHL and A- AHL. Then there's the actual veterans, uh, guys like, say, Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie, uh, and other members of the Canadians. What does the preseason mean for young veterans? Guys like Jonathan Drouin, for example. We talked about him earlier this week. Guy's got right. 320 NHL games under his belt. Does it matter at all what he does in the preseason?
0: I don't think it does, um, other than you just want to instill good habits, right? And that wouldn't be new to, to Jonathan Rueh, uh for the stats line that you just indicated. I mean, this kid isn't green. You know, he's he's played enough games at the National Hockey League level to, to know what he has to do, to know what he's capable of. But, you know, you still have subbing some of the nagging negativity that started to build around him last year. And he wants a fresh start. He deserves a fresh start. The organization fully is behind him now, Uh, but he's got to prove that, uh, you know, everything that, that has happened is ancient history. And, you know, he is going to be a very impactful player. And, you know, for the Habs to be as good as they can be, he has to be that. And some of those habits, even though he's a veteran guy are formed this time of year. So, I, I wouldn't be caught up in counting the goals, counting the assists, and you know if the preseason doesn't produce uh, a whole lot of productivity, you know should we be expecting less from Jonathan Drewen to start the regular season? But you know you go ten games into the regular season and he's not producing well. Obviously, then it's going to become uh, a storyline. So I think it's it's more about the work ethic again, establishing the the habits, the good habits that have worked for you in the past. To, uh, to, to make you an impact guy, those are the things that you really have to, you know, kind of drill down on and focus on this time of year.
1: Dregs, if we're not counting the goals and assists then or the solid performances in preseason, uh, some teams
0: are counting the number of NHL-level contracts uh, they've handed right. out to players at the expense of their young prospects. How wide a variation do you see among team philosophies in terms of, hey, we've got these guys signed at the NHL level, so the right. kids will wait. Versus a coach, maybe who wants to see the young kids push. It's an it's an interesting balance, um, and it's an excellent point. And i I think there are a number of factors that come into play. Obviously, where are you as an organization? You know, are you still in a renovation, or you know, entering a rebuild? Uh, are you beyond that phase, and and now you're looking to turn the corner? And I, I mean, for sure, the Montreal Canadiens. Are, have turned a corner, or at least that's the hope, that's the expectation, um, and they should be a playoff team, and, and they should be interesting once they make the playoffs, and who knows what happens beyond that. So there's a, a, a delicate balance there as to how ready are your young players, and are your young players better than what you might have in some of your veteran guys? And then it gets difficult, and it can be difficult, between coach and general manager, because often the coach will say, well, I've got trust and confidence in my veteran guy. Uh, even though I know that the future is in player X and in player Y." Uh, I would prefer to, to, to hang on with uh, the, the vets. And the manager might not agree. And then the manager might look at his available cap space or depending on the organization we're talking about, sometimes it's a lack of cap space. And you don't have a choice. I mean, you've got to inject these young guys into the lineup because they make less money. So there are a lot of factors that ultimately go into that balance.
1: We're talking to Darren Dreger, who's back for a new season of Hockey Talk every Tuesday and Thursday here on The Morning Show on TSN 690. I'm Connor McKenna with uh, Sean Star and Rick Moffitt. In 20 minutes, we'll check in with Winnipeg's Sarah Orletsky uh, covering the Winnipeg Jets, who, wow, uh, What's next for the Jets? I can't even imagine, uh, as the latest is that Dustin Bufflin is, is uh, considering whether he wants to continue playing hockey, whether his, his heart is still in it. Uh, how much trouble are the Jets in right now from your perspective, Dregs?
0: Well, a fair amount. Uh, I mean, Kevin Feveldayoff has been wearing shin pads under his suit pants for quite some time because he's been kicked in the shins about 10 times you know, since, uh, well, I'll go back around one of the playoffs against the, the St. Louis Blues, but now he's got to go to work and, you know, full gear because the, the, the punches just keep coming his way. Uh, I mean, this, this news on Dustin Bufflin, when it, it first landed on the desk of Chevrolet off uh, and Paul Maurice, and really the organization in general, had to have been devastating, even though a final decision hasn't been made. And I think that the Jets do deserve credit. I mean, I, I guess they didn't have much choice uh, other than to encourage Bufflin to, to take the necessary time, hence the leave of absence. You know, make sure that you are 100% comfortable with leaving the game behind you. And Winnipeg isn't going to pressure Dustin Bufflin to make that decision. He's going to make it on his own timeline. But as I say that, I, I mean, there's some financial realities that Layoff continues to uh, wrestle with. You know, the obvious is the two pending restricted free agents and Kyle Connor and, and Patrick Liney, who don't appear to be close at this stage. I mean, a lot can change very quickly there. And, and then if there is the absence of Dustin Bufflin, how do you repair that blue line? You know, Winnipeg has done a real good job of drafting and developing, but, you know, they don't have the defense available to them to replace the loss of Truba of Tyler Myers, of Ben Sherrod, and potentially Dustin Bufflin. So Chevrolet is going to be boxed in a corner, and ultimately, you know, if if Bufflin decides he's not coming back, Chevy's going to have to uh, spend some of the assets that he's collected, maybe even starting with his 2020 first-round pick, and acquire a defenseman because no one's going to gift him that player, be it Falk or Ristolainen or someone else.
1: I mean, could Laine, who appears to be, I don't know if disgruntled is the right word, but it doesn't seem like things are great between Laine and the organization. Do you think he might be someone they use as a chip and some sort of a blockbuster to help the blue line? Again, if Dustin Bufflin decides that he wants to hang him up?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's possible. I'm, I'm not predicting that's going to happen. Um, you know, there were whispers of that and it was, you know, essentially industry speculation and and hockey industry speculation, not just media industry speculation leading up to the draft as to whether or not, you know, Patrick Liney could be in play. And, you know, the messaging that I kept getting back from my sources who I trust around Winnipeg was, nah, I mean, they've, they've got to engage. They've got to go through the negotiation before that, that ever becomes a, a real possibility. But, you know, they, they haven't been able to to make any sort of headway on a negotiation. And and clearly, Patrick Lione believes strongly in his ability to be a top three player on any team. You know, in this case, obviously, the, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he's made it clear who he wants to play with. And I, I didn't read that as a slight against Brian Little or Nick Ehlers. It's just he thinks that his production is going to go up if he's playing with the best players in Winnipeg and you know, that's clearly Shifley and Wheeler. So that created a buzz, no doubt about that. But the bigger issue is what's he willing to play for, you know, is it a three-year bridge deal and what's that annual average salary going to look like? We've seen players take it. Uh, most recently Brock Bresser with uh, the Vancouver Canucks or, you know, to stay in Winnipeg, is he demanding term? Both sides have been fairly quiet on what that negotiation looks like, but, uh, Quiet, other than Lyon, who's been pretty vocal in what his expectation is on ice. So I'm not saying it's impossible that something big, you know, blockbuster-like could happen, but I think Winnipeg wants to first uh, exhaust everything, including the future of Dustin Bufflin, and then the negotiation with their two RFA stars.
1: You know, I'm curious about the uh, the youth movement in the managerial type positions in hockey. I was asking um, Connor and Rick earlier this week about Kyle Dubas and you know whether he's carrying the torch or not with John Chaka. Some of the young guys that were given the keys to their respective organizations, Arizona and Toronto, and I, and I'm wondering, like, if we were to look down the road and, and hypothetically speaking, if the Leafs don't do significant damage, do you think? It, the youth managerial movement in the league grinds to a complete stop if Kyle Dubas and the Leafs, you know, don't win at all at least once. With the amount of money that they've given out and the and the transactions he's made with them,
0: mm, no, I don't think it would take you know uh, Dubas, you know, and and the failures of the Toronto Maple Leafs to, to turn that trend. Uh, I think, frankly, owners have have turned away from, you know, maybe more the traditional general manager, maybe the more experienced guy, just in search of something fresh, you know, different ideas. I know when Dubas was hired by the Maple Leafs, um, you know, as an assistant general manager and then the overseer of the Toronto Marlies, you know, Brendan Shanahan did a lot of work and he talked to a lot of different people, not just NHL people, but you know, hockey people around the Canadian Hockey League. Is there someone out there that you feel like I need to talk to? And one of the names that came back to him almost immediately was, yeah, there's a guy in Sault Ste. Marie by the name of Kyle Dubas, and, you know, he's a sharp young guy, you know, real quality junior executive, spent some time with him. Shanahan did, and he was blown away by Kyle Dubas. So I, I, I guess it's possible, but, I, you know, The owners of the National Hockey League are shrewd business people, and they're always looking for what, you know, the the next great thing might be. So if you're willing to invest time and do your due diligence, you know, maybe there are other young up-and-comers that uh, you need to listen to. So I don't think that it's going to shift, you know, by uh, the failings of the Maple Leafs.
1: Darren, thank you for your time, as always. We appreciate it.
0: God, it's been a good week. You guys have a great weekend. All right. <laughs>
1: yes, sir. Oh. Some would say the song of the summer 2019. It's Bianca's song. Is it? Yep, that's the one. Hot Girl Summer. That's the one she was listening to right before. That's right. Whipping Serena. Is that right? That's right. That. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I don't really care for Megan Thee Stallion or Nicki Minaj, but uh, this was a big song. Hot Girl Summer. It was a meme and everything. That's right. I had to look it up. What, what does Hot Girl Summer mean? And what does it mean? Yeah, it's kind of. It's like a. It's like a mindset. Not given a bleep. And right being confident that's it going out there yeah. and being but, yourself kind of what bianca did a couple of sundays ago at uh flushing mm-hmm. and didn't nikki minaj retire isn't she retired from the rap game connor can only hope <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming up next here on the morning show if you set your apartment on fire by burning a bunch of love letters then taking a nap before putting that fire out is it maybe kind of your fault <laughs> How did the insurance claim go? Find out next on The Morning Show.